Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Rambam Mishneh Torah, Hilchas Shabbos, Perik Shiva Osar, Chapter 17 of the Laws of Shabbos. By way of introduction to Chapter 17, also brought down in the notes in the Moznaim Rambam, that in Talmudic times, it was not customary, as it is in most communities today, where you have house and street. So the house goes right into a public domain. Instead, houses would open up to a courtyard, a little bit like a condominium complex or a private community. And the courtyard would open up to lanes, alleys, or pathways that led to the public marketplaces and thoroughfares. And sometimes these lanes would go through. Sometimes they would be, as we call nowadays, a cul-de-sac, or as they called back when I was a kid in Newark, a dead end. Today they don't talk like that. They say cul-de-sac. A dead end. So the question is, can you carry in these lanes? Can you carry in these alleyways? That's the subject matter today. Now, if the lanes are a public thoroughfare and everybody's there, and they are 16 cubits wide or more, then that's something else. But if it's not a public thoroughfare and it's not 16 cubits wide, which is 24 feet wide, and there is no Eruv, there is no enclosure in the community. By rabbinic law, this area is referred to as a Carmelis, or Carmelit, meaning it's not a public domain, because of the above reasons. It's a Carmelis, which... We talked about earlier, there are four domains. Private domain, public domain, Carmelis, and place of exemption. A Carmelis is a rabbinic domain in case people think it's a public domain because it looks like a public domain. Said the rabbis don't carry there. So when you have this alley or lane, which only has two walls, because you have the wall of houses on one side and the wall of houses on the other side, and you have a thoroughfare on the other two walls, the entry and the exit, or you have three walls, because it's a cul-de-sac, how can you carry there and what has to be done to undo the rabbinic decree of Carmelis and allow us to carry in these private streets of the condominium complex? That's the deal here. So again, it's a rabbinic decree, which we're trying to negotiate, to reduce, to remove the, the rabbinic decree by some act of recognition so everyone will know this is different. And this is quite a famous chapter because it deals with a famous issue. The subject matter here is movui. Movui is the Hebrew for a lane or an alley. And there are two types of movuis. That's how we say it in English, movuis. One is a movui sosum, a closed lane, a cul-de-sac, and the other is a movui mifulash, an open lane that has two walls but two openings on the entry and exit. And these words, for those who are somewhat familiar with Hilcha Shabbos, 
Verbiage are well-known words. Okay, Aleph. A lane or an alleyway which has three walls. Now, first of all, in the Moznaim Rambam, you have diagrams and you also have a diagram that you have sitting in front of you. Look at the first diagram which shows this area. It shows an example of an open lane, and it shows an example of a closed lane. Again, the closed lane has three closed walls with one open wall. The open lane has two walls. And you see how this goes from public domain into courtyard, into private domain, and so on. So, when it has three walls, that's called a closed lane. That's the cul-de-sac, dead-end lane. But the alleyway or lane, which only has two walls, one opposite the other, and you have the other diagrams where you have the alleyway with the walls one opposite the other. And people enter in one entry, in the narrow entry. And they leave. Up and the opposite exit, who that is Hanikra, which is called Mavui Mafulish, an open lane. So what's the deal? The problem is it's a rabbinic karmelis. It's considered a rabbinic public domain. Heich matirin mavui hasosim. How can we permit carrying within the first scenario? Is the closed lane? It has three walls. Doesn't have a fourth wall. Very simple. And here you show it in the diagram. There are two approaches, two possibilities. Possibility one. You make on the fourth wall, which is the open wall. You simply place one pole, one beam, one, one by two, as we say. <clears throat> Or, you make a beam, either a pole or a beam, vidaye. What is this pole and what is this beam? The pole is on the side. Look in the diagram. You've taken the open wall, you've put a one by two there. <clears throat> that statement means I have begun to close the open wall. I'm beginning to build my fourth wall. That's what that simple one by two does. Or you take a pole or a beam across the top of the opening and you say, make believe that top goes all the way down. You've now created the beginnings of a wall, either horizontally or vertically. That's the answer. And that's enough. And again, if you look at these diagrams, you simply see a one by two either beginning the new wall or over it. Over the opening. And that beam, or that pole, will be considered as if it closed the fourth wall. And it will become, for the purpose of rabbinic law, it will revert back from the rabbinic category of Carmelis back to the private property. 
And you can carry there. Actually, by Torah law, this probably was a makom tour to begin with. It was probably an exempt area to begin with. So you've now transformed it from a Carmelis, a rabbinic public domain, to a private domain. This pole or this beam made it into a private domain. Shedin because by Torah law, by Torah law, three walls are enough to allow people to carry. It's only rabbinic law that requires the fourth wall. Therefore, our sages say it's sufficient simply to erect a pole or a beam. Gimel 3. So we've covered the closed lane. How do we deal with the open lane? The answer is, We have to first create a doorway on one side. How do you create a doorway? Two poles and a beam, a frame. Pole, pole, beam. That's a doorway. So on one end, you have to create a real doorway... Sometimes when you look at what we call today an Erev, let's say in a bungalow colony or in a small place, an Erev is pole, pole, string. That's called Suras HaPesach. So that's the best way to create an imaginary wall, is to create a doorway. And the other opening, the fourth opening, we already covered what you do. Either a pole or a beam on the side. The same law applies to a crooked area as does to a straight area. And here in this diagram, you have an L-shaped lane, which is like the crooked area. We're not worried about the L corner. That's fine. We're only worried about the other two openings. There's another approach. And that is a lane or an alleyway. That is at one level within. But then it has a steep incline as it goes to the street, like a steep driveway. A shovel or or it's on the same level going into the street. But it has a steep incline going down once you're in it. But in any event, you're at a totally different level. This doesn't need a beam, it doesn't need a pole. Because it is separate and distinct, because it is at a different level. That in and of itself makes it separate and distinct. And we learned that one of the definitions of what makes something a private domain is level. Is if it's higher or lower. So this is also a visual reminder of higher or lower. Hey, what if a lane ends in a river, lake, ocean on one end? The other end goes to a garbage dump. Water on one end, garbage dump on the other end. And it doesn't need anything. Because the garbage dump itself is a higher area. And if it's public, chances are it's not going to be dismantled on Shabbos. And we're also not afraid that the waterway, the body of water is going to disappear and you're just going to be left with mud. Bodies of water don't disappear so quickly. So therefore the garbage isn't going anywhere and the water isn't going anywhere. So that in and of itself 
sets apart these two sides of the opening of the lane. Six. What if you have an open lane that ends in the middle of a courtyard of many houses, a shared courtyard? And here you have a diagram, a lane ending in the middle of a yard. As long as the entry of the lane is not lined up to the entry of the yard, for example, in this diagram. Had there been an entry exactly across it, that would have been a problem. Now it's like closed. And you don't need anything on the side of the yard. But if it ends not in the middle, but on the side of the yard, also, then it's a problem. Or if it was belonging to a person. Also, even if it goes into the middle, it's a problem. Why? What's the problem? Very simple. Because a person who owns that whole yard can build another house. And now the lane is going to go into the end. When the lane goes into an end, it's a problem. Zion. This approach of allowing the, the, the lane or the alleyway to be permitted for carrying only works when there are houses and courtyards entering into it, which means a residential alley, a residential lane. It has to be minimum length four cubits, minimum length, six feet, and it has to be the definition of an alley or a lane, which means longer than wider. It's not a square. A square is a yard. This is an alley, longer than wider. Or as he gives a definition, at least twice as long as the width or more. But an alley or a lane whose width and length is the same... A square, it's not a lane and it's not an alley. It's a yard. The only way out is to put the two posts so that you're starting that wall. Or you take a piece of plywood, so to speak, and put it on one end, which shows you're closing in the wall. Which means in simple terms that these leniencies which halacha shows of putting the one pole or the, the, one, the one beam or the one pole are leniencies only for a lane in a residential area. Eight. What if you have a yard that's longer than wider? That's like a lane. And you have that liberal approach of either taking a beam above it or a pole, a, a pole to the side. What if you have a lane or an alley where there are no houses opening up into it? Again, for example, if there's only one house, or one yard, so it's not a multi-residential alleyway or lane. It's not a lane and a street within a condominium complex. It's a private street. Where it doesn't have a minimum length of four amas, six feet. Needs the more severe approach of either two poles or a substantial barrier, like I talked about the, the thick barrier. We're going to define how wide it has to be, like, like a piece of plywood, starting the wall. 
What if this lane was not even three handbreadths wide? A handbreadth is 3.15 inches. It's not even 10 inches wide. Three handbreadths is like 10 inches. A little under 10 inches. That's not considered an alley. 10 inches is a nothing. Doesn't need a pole, doesn't need a beam. You can carry because it's barely existing. The rule in Shabbos is the same rule as in Sukkah. Anything that's less than hand, three hand breaths, it's as if it attaches itself to the closest wall, and if it's as if it's as if it's not. What if What if this lane or alleyway was corrected through a beam, as mentioned above? Even though, because we did that, you're allowed to carry throughout it as if it was a private residence, still, you would think if it's a private domain, you're now culpable for throwing into a public domain or vice versa? The answer is no. You're exempt, but it's still forbidden. You're not liable. Why not? Why aren't you liable? We just said it's a private domain. The answer is, shakede. Because this beam, it's logic. The reasoning is people will see it. It's different. It sends a psychological message. It doesn't technically make it into 100% private domain. Because it's a very liberal approach to privatization. However, if a pole was erected to make it possible for people to carry, that's more real than if somebody throws from one domain to the other, this domain to a public or public to this. Chayev, he would be liable and culpable as if he really did a real transgression of labor on shops. Because the pole... Is considered like a real partition on a fourth wall. What if there are two walls in a public domain? And the people travel between them. How do you make this an area where you can carry? He said, The only way to do it is to make doors. Gates on each end. You close up the gates, it now becomes private rather than public. Otherwise, it's a public passageway. Then, of course, you have to create it into a private domain. It's not like the gates must be closed at night. They have to be able to be closed at night. You have to have the potential. But if they were sunken in into the mud... They can't be closed at night. Then Mefana Eson, he has to clean it up. Or Mestakna Lino, he has to fix it to enable it to close. But in this case, where you have a, a, a street, which has two walls and it's traveled, just a doorway, just a pole, just a beam, do not work to transform a public domain into a private domain. As I mentioned in the introduction, it only works to transform a Carmelis, a rabbinic domain, into a private domain, not a real public domain. For a real public domain, you need the doors to be able to close on each side, real doors. 11 Yudalef, Mutal, Letal, Tal, Bamabi, Tachas, 
What if you make this beam or pole, can you carry under the beam or next to the pole? The answer is yes. If it's close to the public domain. And here's a very interesting law. You can only carry next to the beam of the pole if it's close by to the public domain. But if it's close to a rabbinic public domain called the Carmelis, also the Talto, you may not carry in those areas mentioned above until he makes an additional pole to allow carrying in the doorway why? because this is an interesting principle one type found a similar type one rabbinic exemption found another rabbinic exemption awakened it so to speak and therefore you need something to cancel the two colliding rabbinic exemptions it's a complex thought but it's an interesting thought so therefore the other pole sends the message an additional pole now I can carry under the doorway now what could you make a pole out of? Alechi. Alechi is a halachic term. I put up alechi. What's alechi? Bakil eisim l'chayayim. You can make this pole out of anything. Technically, even by a living being. Technically, even by something that is forbidden to benefit from. For example, and here's a radical idea. Something that's idolatrous. A yashera, or an idolatrous tree, that was used for a lechi. And we know, central fundamental principle, idolatry may not be benefited from at all. You're benefiting from idolatry. Kosher is kosher. Why? This is pretty radical. Why? Because when you ask the question, what is the minimum thickness of this lechi? The answer is anything. When it comes to idolatry, you imagine as if you did what the Torah demands that you do. What does the Torah demand that you do? Burn it. So you burned it. The ashes have a little bit of a minimum thickness. So that works. What about the height? The height of the lechi must be at least 10 handbreadths, 31.50 inches, width and thickness a tiny bit. Yud Gimel, Bakeles, and Keira. What about a Keira, which is the beam over? You make a beam with anything, except for a tree of idolatry. Because the beam has to have a minimum width, and the idolatrous tree, you imagine as if it's burned, and ashes have no width. All measures are forbidden when it comes to an Asherah. How wide is the beam that is put on top? Not less than a handbreadth, 3.15 inches or more. A thickness of any size. However, and this is important, this beam that you're going to put up on top between the two walls has to be strong enough to hold the weight of an oriach. What is an oriach? It's a word for a stone. Like a, a, a brick. It's a half of a brick of three handbreadths by three handbreadths. Three handbreadths by three handbreadths is approximately ten inches by ten inches. Half of that is the weight that this pole has to be able to carry, this beam. 
And that which holds the beam, therefore, must be a healthy substance. In order to hold that one and a half brick pressure weight. 14, of what size can the entry of the lane be for a pole or a beam to be able to be sufficient to allow people to carry in it? its height, never less than 10 handbreadths. 31.50 inches. it should not be more. of 20 cubits. A cubit is about a foot and a half. So 20 cubits is about 30 feet high. And it's width, ad eseramas, 10 cubits, 15 feet wide. And when does this apply? If it did not have a doorway. Remember we said the doorway is the more stringent way of closing it up. But if it had a doorway, even if it was 100 cubits high, or even less than 10, or wide 100, it allows it to work. And I believe the, the uh, diagram here, a beam placed in the middle of the wall of a lane, shows a beam at a certain height, whereas the walls go much higher. The reason it can't be more than 20 cubits high is because a normal person does not look higher than 20 cubits. 20 cubits is 30 feet. You, you, without straining, you can't see more than 30 feet high. However, <clears throat> if there was in the beam designs and art, everybody's going to look at the art. It's a piece of art. It could be 50 feet in the air. That's where people are going to look. It's kosher. Because this beam is placed here for recognition that things are different here. The reason our rabbi said that 20 cubits or higher doesn't work is because nobody will recognize the recognition. But if it has shapes... And forms engraved and painted on it. Everyone will look. It'll become an item. So it will make a distinction. <clears throat> and it will be a distinguishing factor. 16. When the height of a lane from the earth until the bottom of the beam is 20 cubits. And the f- thickness is Higher than 20, kosher, it's kosher. If it was higher than 20, you want to reduce it with a beam. It has to have at least a tefach thickness. If it was less than 10, height. You can dig down. <clears throat> and here is a diagram of hollowing out a space to reach a height of 10 handbreadths. You'd die in 17. What if an opening is made on the side of a lane near its front? In other words, the wall is breached open. If it has a piece, at least four handbreadths wide, still there, it's permissible. Provided that the breach is not more than ten. If there isn't, <clears throat> a covering, <clears throat> a portion, 
still there of at least four handbreadths. Also, it's forbidden, unless the breach was less than three handbreadths from the edge, or less than three, period, because anything less than three, we learned, is as if it's lovud attached to the closest thing near it. What if a lane opens up entirely into a courtyard? And the courtyard is open to the street. And you have some diagrams here. The lane opens to the courtyard. The courtyard opens to the public domain. It's forbidden. It becomes an open lane. But you're still allowed to carry in the yard. Because a yard where people enter and leave is still considered a private domain. Yards have different rules than lanes. 19. A lane that has paths leading to and from it from other ways. And you have a diagram. Which is ultimately open. To the public domain, even though they're not lined up one next to the other, one facing another, each one is considered an open lane. You say, how do you rectify it? You make a doorway, an artificial doorway for each opening. Similarly for the main opening, the other end of the lane, you could, to the liberal approach of lechi, a keda, or of a pole, and a beam, as we learned earlier. You need one doorway on one end. Once you have that, you can go pole or beam on the other end. 20. A lane, one side is long, and the other side is short. And here you have a diagram of a long lane and a short lane. So how are you going to put a beam? It doesn't reach. Only one side is long. You place the beam across by the short side. And here's the diagram of it. If he made it halfway, it's okay. In the inner side, the part that's outside of it also is forbidden. 21. A lane which is 20 cubits, that's 30 feet wide. He takes a large pole or board, higher, high, high at least ten handbreadths, and it has to flow for four cubits, which is the minimum size, puts in the middle. He now cuts it into two, which has ten on each side. And here's a diagram of it. Two partitions reducing the size of a lane. And you see here that it's 20. A is the lane. B shows you it's 20 cubits wide. C is right in the middle of the 20 cubits at the 10 cubits point. D, you put the partition. So now you have two 10 cubit lanes. And E is the fact that it opens into a public domain. And F is the open space. So now you have two 10-cubit lanes instead of 120. That's what you've accomplished with this artificial partition. There's another approach, and that is the F approach, the D and the F. 
where you have a partition of three cubits. You take a partition of three cubits. A cubit is a foot and a half. So three cubits is four and a half feet. Remember, you, you, let's, let's go to cubits. You take a cubit, a partition of three cubits across 20 cubit lane. You move two cubits away from the end, place a three cubit partition. You move two cubits away from the other end, place a three cubit partition. So you've now only left an opening of ten cubits in the middle. Because you've covered five cubits on one side by the three cubit partition plus the two space between it and the wall. So now you've narrowed it down and that's what D and F in this diagram show you, you've placed a three-cubit partition there, now making it narrow to the point of ten cubits. That's another approach. So now your opening is only ten. And the sides, they're as if they're closed. Because we know if the standing piece is more than the open piece, then you consider it closed. 22, a pole that projects outward from the wall of a lane. Kosher, it's okay. That stands by itself. If they relied on it before Shabbos, kosher, it's fine. And a lechi that appears to be within a lechi. Only from inside it looks like a lechi, but not from the outside, so you don't see that recognition. And lechi is all about recognition. It's visible from the outside. But not from the inside. It's considered a lechi and it works and it accomplishes its goal. A lechi that is three hand breaths higher than the ground. Or three hand breaths away from a wall. It's worthless. Remember, we said less than three becomes part of the wall, part of the top, part of the bottom. More than three, it's hanging in the middle of nowhere. Less than three is not a problem because it's as if it's attached to the closest wall or ceiling or floor. This pole was very wide. Whether it was less than half the width of the lane or half kosher. If it was more than half, then we go to another law. And that is, is the solid piece greater than the open piece? Or is the open piece greater than the solid piece? In this case, the solid piece is greater than the open piece. So it works as well. So either way it works. It's either a lechi or it's a wall. 23. When you spread... A mat over a beam, you put a beam up by the opening of the lane, and then somebody hangs a curtain on it, a mat on it. You've just destroyed the message that the beam sent. Now it doesn't look like it's sending a message. Now it looks like it's holding a mat. You've nullified it. It's no longer visible, recognizable. If it was removed from the earth, three or more, it's not considered a mechitza. If he took two pegs, two spikes, and put them in on the outer perimeter and put a beam, he didn't accomplish anything. has to be on it, not close to it. This is outside of it. It doesn't work. And here he has a diagram, spike, spike, with the beam. 
24, a beam that comes out of one wall, he doesn't touch the second wall. Two beams, one comes from one wall, one comes from the other wall, but they don't line up. And here you have two diagrams, one where they don't reach and the other where they don't line up. If it's less than three hand breaths, it's not a problem. If there was three, you have to do it again because it doesn't work because there's more than three hand breath space. Two that are lined up. But they are not solid enough to hold that weight of that brick we talked about. If both together they can hold it. You don't need another one. But if one was lower and one was higher, practically it can't hold that brick. We see the above one as if it's lower, and we make it work. As long as that upper one is not higher than 20. The low one is not lower than 10. 20 cubits, 10 hand breaths. And there shouldn't be three tvachim between them. When you imagine one going up and one going down, until we imagine them next to each other. Chavav 26, what if the beam is crooked? You can imagine as if it's straight. Agula, if it's round, you can imagine as if it's square. What if the circumference of this beam was three hand breaths? Remember, a hand breath is 3.15. Yeshba Rechav Tefach. Then the diameter is one hand breath. That's the rule of pi. 3.14 is pi. Haisa Hakeda Besechamovui, if the beam was in the lane, and its crooked part extends outside the lane, or its crooked part was higher than 20 cubits or lower than 10 hand breaths. Had you removed the crooked part, only the two heads would survive. There are no three hand breaths between each other. That'll work. If not, you need another beam. Now we segue into a whole different law. Let me give a little bit of an introduction. You have a public domain, and you're traveling, and you're thirsty, and you need water, or you have to give water to your animals. So you go to the well, that's before they had the sparklets and arrowhead trucks, or the sinks with water. You go to the well, and you have to take water out of the well. The problem is that we learn the rules of a private domain. If a private domain is 10 hand breaths high with a certain minimum width, or 10 hand breaths deep with a certain minimum width, it's considered a private domain. The well, therefore, is certainly a private domain. You're not allowed to carry from the private domain to the public domain. What do you do? How do you drink from the well? How do you take and take water from the well. Put your cup in and take water. Put your pail in and take water. Lower down the pail and get the water. How do you drink? give your animals to drink? When you have to go on Shabbos from private domain to public domain, which is a big no-no. This is what we begin now with 
Paragraph 27. A well where eight walls were positioned on four corners. Two walls at every corner had a this is considered a boundary. And here you have diagrams. A well is round. You have the well in the middle. That's called a private domain. So you take a piece of plywood, and you take another piece of plywood, you put it at one corner. So here you have one corner. You do the same thing on every corner. So you now have created a private domain around the well. That's the name of the game here. And you have the various diagrams here of the various scenarios but the first diagram shows A is the well B is an open space 13 and a third cubits between the walls C is the partitions that you created even though the opening is more than the solid on each wall this is an exception. This being that you have four real standing partitions. Our sages say it's permissible to consider this a private domain and to draw water from the well to drink or to cause your animals to drink. What's the minimum height? Each partition must be 10 hand breaths high, 31.50 inches. High, and its minimum width has to be shisha tvachim, six handbreadths, about 19 or so inches. In between the two handbreadths, in between the two boards, you can have a space, an opening for the width of four cattle. Two entering, or one entering and one departing, so you can have a camp, a, 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 an animal coming and going in this, in this lane. Because the animal comes to drink and then goes. But this open space should never be more than 13 and a third cubits. So here our sages came up with a brilliant concoction of creating a private domain around the well to enable people to use water on the Shabbos in a public domain. 28. What about alternatives to building these walls? If there was on one corner either a large rock, can that replace the wall in the one corner? Yes. A elon or a tree, can that replace the wall in the one corner? Yes. A tail on Meslaketasara or a mound which becomes ten cubits high, Mitech Arbaamas within four cubits, which means it's a steep incline. A Chavila Shokonim or a bundle of reeds. And here you have some diagrams of the rock, the reeds. Rayin, we see, if it was separated and it, there became now an am on each side, at the height of ten, it's considered a corner, which has the boards. So you can have a natural situation rather than an artificial one in one corner. 
If there are five reeds, and there's no three hand breaths separating between them, and there is between them six hand breaths between each side, this also could become a corner. 29, you're allowed to bring these partitions close to the well, we should see a part of Asia. In other words, it could be closer than we talked about. We talked about 13 and a third cubits. If need be, it could be even closer than that. As long as there's space for one cow, for its head, and most of its body to get into that space. Even though he's not holding the head of the animal and the vessel with the water. Being that the head and the majority of the animal is in there, it's permissible, even to a camel, which we learned earlier, has a long neck. But if it's closer than that, then you're not even allowed to give water to a small goat, which fits in within, because it's simply not big enough. You have to make the space bigger. You could distance it. As long as he uses the simple separations. There shouldn't be more than 13 and a third Amos. 30. The rabbis only allowed this approach. Only number one in Israel. Number two, for the animals which drove the pilgrims to Jerusalem, which means this was an accommodation to the people who went to Jerusalem three times a year. They should be able to travel and they should have water on Shabbos. Provided that it is a public, live well, not a cistern of stored water. But in other countries... Let a person go to the well and drink. Should make a real separation. Around should make a real partition around the well. Minimum height: ten hand breaths. Let him stand within it. Let him draw water and drink. This was a liberal approach to accommodate the pilgrims, not the Thanksgiving pilgrims. But if it was very broad, you can't even go in there. Then he can go in and draw water between the corner walls. Similarly speaking, a public cistern or a well of an individual, even in Israel, needs a real separation. If somebody fills for his animal between these corners, he can fill the vessel and put it down before the animal. If the animal entered into that stall area, and it was high, ten, and wide for, he should not fill, because we're afraid the stall area will break, it's going to break out of the stall, and the stall is going to bring it to the ground, therefore you should do it by hand, because you're concerned that it's practically not going to work, and it's going to come crashing down. 
33, if somebody therefore throws from a public domain into this artificially created rabbinic private domain, he would be culpable. Being that every corner is a real separation, it has ten high, it's more than four by four, and it's visible, so it becomes a real private domain. Even if it was in an open valley, there's no well. In every corner, you have a real separation. Even if many people would go between these separations, it doesn't nullify them. They're considered like yards, which many people go through. Therefore, when somebody would throw from a public domain into them, he'd be culpable. It's permissible to give the animal to drink. If there was a well, have some water. Okay, we're getting there. We're approaching 34 out of 36. Lamedal 34. Chotzera courtyard. Sheresh echas nichas lebenapasim, where one head of the courtyard, one end of the courtyard, went in between. These demarcations, you're allowed to carry from the courtyard into this area, because they become one real private domain. If there are two courtyards, of course, if there were two courtyards going into it, with two owners, then they need to make an Eruv Chatseros, which is a whole different rule which we only alluded to, and that is if there are two different owners and two different private Domains who want to carry between each other, they have to take food and establish a sharing meal between them. That's something that we're going to come up and learn with in the laws of Eruvin. These are the laws of Shabbos now. Yofshu Hamayim B'Shabbos, what if the water dried up on Shabbos? So you lost your common center of this whole thing. No more water. Also the Talta Ben it's now forbidden to carry. The only reason we allow carrying is for the water. If water came back on Shabbos, now it's permissible. Any separation, even that was established on Shabbos, is considered separation. A lane or alleyway, whose beam or pole was removed on Shabbos, then you may no longer carry. You can't say, well, it was there before Shabbos. Even though it opened up into a Carmelis. And by the way, in the many communities today where they build an Eruv, enabling people to carry, one of the big issues of Eruv is if the Eruv snaps on Shabbos, you're in a lot of trouble. And you'll never know. So you can't say, well, I started Shabbos with an Eruv, so I'm good. doesn't work that way. Lamid, hey, 35, achsadra bebika, now comes the law of an achsadra, an achsadra, the best interpretation, translation of the word achsadra is porch, technically a Greek architectural structure with three and sometimes two walls and a roof for sunlight in the center often translated as a porch, and you have a diagram of the achsadra. If there is an achsadra-shaped thing, bebika in an open area, open valley, 
Mutter the Talta Bakula, you're allowed to carry in the Aksadra. Apapishi Basholish Mechitz Vitikra, even though it only has three walls and a roof. Here comes a law, an axiom of Shabbos, when there's three walls and a roof. You imagine if the roof comes down, creating a fourth wall. It's an imaginary fourth wall. Therefore, if somebody throws from a public domain into this achsadra, potter, he's exempt. It's as if he throws into a lane with a beam, because it's an imaginary wall. It's not real, it's just a liberty. A house or a courtyard where its corner was opened by at least 10 cubits. Also, the it's forbidden to carry because we learned that 10 cubits breach nullifies everything. Even though we learned earlier that up to 10 cubits any breach is okay, it's a door. The problem here is, is that it's in a corner. You don't make doors in corners. But if you put a beam up on top, by the length of the breach, you see as if it comes down and closes it, and you carry throughout. As long as it's not on an angle. And finally, in 36, he gives definition of measurements. And we're using the definitions in the Kahat Chumash, translating it into inches. Ho'etzba, when you talk about a finger, what is a finger in Torah law? What's the measurement of a finger? It's the width of the thumb. Again, in the Kahat Chumash definition in the back, 0.79 inches. Four-fifths of an inch. What's a hand breath? Arba etz bois, four times that, 3.15 inches. What is an amma cubit? When we talk about a cubit, whether it's in the laws of Shabbos, or the laws of Sukkah, or the laws of Kilayim, which are the mixed plantings, he It's an amma which consists of approximately six twachim. Sometimes the amma of six twachim are pushed together. Sometimes spread apart. Both of these are the more stringent approach. Now, as I've mentioned many times, according to the definition, the common definition, there are various opinions, but an amma is about a foot and a half, specifically 1.57 feet. Now, if you take six tvachim and you use the 3.15 for a tefach, six times 3.15 is 1890. 18. 90. That's 18 inches. Foot and a half. 90. 5 times 3.5 is 1575. That's the tight. Ketzad. So here you have the, the numbers work. 1890 is 6 times 3.15. And that's a foot and a half. 1.57. Ketzad, how does this work? Meshach mobi barba amasechekes. The length of an opening, 
with four open amas, and its height would be 20 amas that are atzebes, narrow, and the, measure, the, the, the width would be 10 amasatsebes, or similar with regard to the areas of sukkah, constricted cubits. Amasatsebes is translated as constricted cubits. Or mixed species, end of chapter 17.